you know, home compostable that we don't have to think about once we throw it away is definitely very important to me. Um, obviously, straws are public enemy number one when it comes to reusable stuff. And I think we use something like 500 million straws a day. So I can I can appreciate the fact that, um, that you know, we can reduce it and make it more environmentally friendly. And, you know, look at the beverage industry, how much plastic is in one bottle or, you know, a can, an aluminum can that gets thrown away. There's a lot of waste that goes into a lot of this stuff. And I, I think we can be more responsible. As hey guys, it's Mandy with Global Hemp Association. I wanted to say thank you so much for joining. I'm excited about the opportunity to build a relationship and connect this supply chain. I mean, after all, that's why we started the association. Our association was built on the foundation of connecting supply chain, building relationships, and helping you grow your business. Anyone from farmers, manufacturers, and distributors, people that are passionate about the supply chain, and those creating products selling into biofuels, plastics, textiles, construction, and building materials. Hello. Okay, cool. Well, this is exciting. So uh, I always hate talking when we're offline and then trying to join in in the middle of this because I just want to continue our conversation, Dan. But before I do, right. I want to welcome everybody. Thank you very much for joining. We'll give a couple of minutes before we get logged on. I actually have this really cool new commercial that I want to start playing in the beginning that's like a thank you and where to register and shows all the people that have been on. And I should do that as people get on. But when you do join, please drop a note, say hello, let us know where you're coming in from. Drop any questions for Dan today. It's going to be an exciting conversation. We've got lots of cool things coming up. But Dan, I'll turn it over to you. Give me a little heads up about who you are, where you came from, and how'd you get into this industry? What really brought sure. you? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Dan O'Brien. Uh, I currently yeah. reside in Costa Rica. Uh, I've been in Costa Rica for about five and a half years or so. Um, my, I'm a resident. My kids have been going to school here for about five and a half years. And uh, we love it. I have no regrets moving down here. Uh, our intention was originally work in the cannabis space in somewhere central in South America. And just we were in Colombia to see what happened there. And it didn't work out. It didn't fit. And so here we are in Costa Rica, enjoying life and uh, growing some hemp for the government. It's, it's, it's absolutely fun. I love it. So you're in a cool little coffee shop right now, outdoors, I assume. How cool. I I am. Yeah, I'm in San Jose. Uh, I've got some meetings today at MAG. Uh, so we're getting ready to go over our final list for the event, just checking some stuff off. And so I figured I'd call you from a little cafe and we'd touch base and chat a little bit about hemp. I love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. So real quick, I want to mention this in the beginning and then we'll talk about it a little bit more at the end also. But tell me about this event that we've got coming up. You have coming up and I'm lucky enough to get to attend. But yeah, tell me all about it. How do people get involved, join, participate, sign up? Sure. No, I'm Mandy, we're gracious to have you coming down and, and reporting live and you can tell everybody what you saw and what happened. And uh, no, it's great. So the event is January 27th, 28th and 29th. We are going to be at Parque Viva, which is a 9,000 square meter indoor space. Um, we're going to have a couple different topic rooms. I've got over 30 people coming from Ireland, all over the world, Peru, Canada, the U.S., Jamaica, um, a lot of people from the uh, Cannabis Clinician Society. We've got a lot of doctors coming in. And really, you know, the importance of this was to focus on the information and the education. And I think that, you know, Costa Rica is in a great position that we have people that are willing to share their knowledge and help pass along you know, the, the great expectations that this plant really comes with, which is, you know, a plant with 10,000 uses. And that's what we're excited to see what we can do in the country with it. Plastics and textiles and, you know, there's just a lot of raw goods that can be created. And we've got a country that can definitely use some some help in the export industry. So we're looking forward to it. Okay, so 
understanding that there's this opportunity, why did you pick Costa Rica? And can you talk a little bit about what the government down there is doing and really supporting the growth of the industry and specifically the event? Well, I mean, I've been in this space for a little while and I've never really seen a government agency step up and put their name on and sponsor a show, especially in the cannabis space. So kudos to Costa Rica for really taking charge and wanting to make this successful. And that's really gives me a lot of pride because I've been working with them for 20 months trying to really perfect uh, the flow of the industry and how to protect not only the beautiful country, but also the population. You know, we want to be able to provide great quality medicine uh, and we want to be able to tell where it came from. And, you know, if there are problems, we want to be able to track it down and keep it off the shelves and and just educate people on, on what it is and what it can do for them. Okay, so what can people expect at the show? And, you know, when you say that they're putting their name on it, there's a lot of opportunity here. And we've seen this over in China, right? When China said, hey, we're going to lead the, the industry in textiles, their government got right behind it and did the same thing. I anticipate that this is a real opportunity for residents and for companies outside of, of Costa Rica to really penetrate the market and be able to you know, utilize the land and what everything you guys have going for the industry. Can you speak a little bit to that? Yeah, absolutely. I think this is this is a great opportunity for people that are interested in the cannabis space that, that really want a different opportunity. Um, you know, I, I like that they're they're making sure that 30% of all of the permitted uh, marijuana and hemp will go to small businesses and will go to small farmers, which is amazing. Um, no, there's, there's a lot of great stuff that these guys are doing. It's it's unique to see the Minister of Agriculture open a Cannabis Congress uh, event, a conference anywhere. And so Renato's going to show up. He's going to talk about it, how important it is. He made some statements for us. So really excited, uh, especially um, Arturo, the director of INTA, will be speaking as well. Uh, that's their innovation and technology transfer department. So super excited. These guys are behind it. They, they're ready to make some changes in their country. And I think you're going to start seeing this spread around the world a little bit more. Um, as co- countries kind of figure out, they, they can use it to improve their, uh, their health of their population. What do you see the biggest opportunities for hemp in Costa Rica? Hemp in Costa Rica, uh, you know, I'm really excited about the fiber side, to be honest with you. Um, you know, one of the biggest crops in, in the area that I'm in is sugarcane. And sugarcane is, a is I guess I would say, an easier crop to grow as you don't have to replant it. You just simply cut it down and then after 12 months it regrows. But it uses a lot of water. It uses a lot of chemicals. Um, and so I'm really excited to see farmers maybe change out their um you know, the sugarcane crops over to hemp and maybe cycle it through once a year every so often to rejuvenate the, the lands and then also create fiber back into, you know, a fiber market that we can get started. So it's a, a lot of opportunities. There's a lot of co-ops and a lot of people here in this country that are already experts in the agriculture industry. And it's going to be fun to watch them take this new crop and really, you know, figure out how to make it flourish, you know, on their farms. Okay, so I have all kinds of questions, but I want to dive in real quick. Natasha, I've got to give her a shout out. Um, she said that she's moving, she's going to move down there and I'll move with you, Natasha, we'll come down together, but she has a great question. What about the humidity and variety types grows there? Yeah. So that's one of the cool parts about the event is, uh, I'll be sharing a lot of the information. I've been doing this for 20 months. I've grown 12 different cults or excuse me, 11 different cultivars at this time, all the way through. And, uh, you know, we're going to be sharing that information on what the humidity levels were, what the temperature levels did, how the plants behaved in these certain areas. Uh, you know, working with the Ministry of Agriculture, we have access to all of their data from all their weather stations. So we can look at humidity. We can look at the different climates in the country. Uh, and this country has a lot of different microclimates. So I'm assuming that there's going to be a lot of craft guys that find their little areas 
you know, that have the right humidity and temperature and, um, you know, just excited to see what some, some growers come down and, and really flourish down here. So there have been some changes in rules and laws just recently, right? That have opened some of this up for the, well, yeah. So what, what happened is we had a, we had a, a debate, uh, the, the bill 21388 was debated on and it passed 33 to 13 in favor of the cannabis bill. And so at the last minute, we had 10 diplomats that were in the assembly uh, question the constitutionality and the process of uh, this bill. And so it got pushed to what's called Sala Cuatro, which is the Supreme Court here as the equivalent. And they went through and looked at the constitutionality and the process of where we have gotten to at this point. Uh, last Friday, it was returned back to the assembly with their approval and it was found constitutional. And so now we're kind of at this little bubble right here where to today, tomorrow, the next day, I mean, it's possible they could have the second debate and vote on the law, I mean, any day now. And so once that happens, it goes back to the president to sign and then uh, 21-388 becomes a law and we start working on the 180 days of regulation time. So we can start really fine tuning the bill, work on the motions and then um, kind of devise the plan on, on where the industry is going to go. Cool. So really at the forefront, how do people sign up for your event? How does somebody find it? And can you speak a little bit about the in-person versus if somebody say from the U.S. wants to participate and not able to travel, what what opportunities do they have to get involved? Yeah, so we're going to do some live streaming videos from our website. And so you can go online and donate online and be able to watch the live streaming. Um, there'll be one camera at each stage, basically, so you can tune in and pick which camera you want to watch. Uh, and then you'll be able to hear and see how many people are there and what's going on uh, at the conference. So it'll be good. And then in person, of course, uh, we can hold up to 6,000 people per day at 50% capacity at Parque Viva. So we've got plenty of room for people to come down. Um, we also, typical shows, industry shows are pretty expensive to get into. Um, we've kept it pretty cheap. We are wanting as many people as possible to come get this knowledge. Uh, you know, that's what it's all about. So the tickets are gonna be like around $20, I think with the exchange rate here. So it's very affordable to come down and they're going to get to hear, you know, a dozen different speakers each day talking about uh, medical cultivation, industrialization, um, some of the government side and, and how we got to where we're at. And then, of course, um, we'll have a lot of different officials and, and different uh, doctors there on site to do little one off chats in some conversation pits uh, and answer questions, you know, personally and kind of get a little up and close and personal with some of them. Very, very cool. So what about if I am not able to travel down and I'm a vendor, are there opportunities for me to set up a booth without having to travel or is it only to attend as a guest? Okay. So, um, yeah, thank you for asking, you know, this COVID thing has been a fun challenge, um, doing events and planning. I'm sure everybody has some sympathy there somewhere. Um, so yeah, we originally were gonna do this in November and then of course we got postponed and we knew it was coming uh, until we pushed it to January. And of course our timing is kind of playing out uh, just about perfectly. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll kind of see, I guess, where we get to on that. Um, but yes, so for vendors, um, I have dedicated some models. We found an agency here that has bilingual models. And so we're able to print uh, within the next week, anybody's information. And we can set up a virtual booth with tablets so they can get, gather all the information. They can have all their stuff printed uh, and have bilingual models there that can pass out the information uh, and then gather anything that the, uh, the vendor would like and then have them live on WhatsApp. So if somebody's really interested, they can get them on the phone uh, with one of the company representatives and, uh, and make some sales. 
Um, you know, they're going to be in desperate need of support and goods and services and all kinds of stuff that goes along with the cannabis industry. I mean, imagine walking somewhere where there's, there's really nothing down here. Um, right. So this is going to be a kind of a blank slate for people to come down and make their mark, I guess. This is so, it's it's so cool. We really are at the very, I mean, we're at the forefront of the industry here in the, in the United States, but we're very much at the forefront of the industry there when, you know, we're right in the middle of passing these, these bills and, moving things along. So I'm excited because it sounds to me like if, if there's a vendor or say Global Hemp Association can't make it, we can still have presence and still share or distribute content and collect contact information and really be a presence in, in the 100%. event. hundred percent. No. hundred um, percent. If anybody's interested, um, I did share the website on here to go ahead and register or connect. Do they register through the website, did you say? Yeah, so you can go to the website. There is a contact us page where you can drop us a little note. It goes directly to uh, one of my assistants that's checking it on an hourly basis. So we're pretty quick about getting back to everybody. Um, yeah, I mean, look, we, we understand the problem. We've watched it happen in the United States. It's, you have to have the supplies, you have to have the tools, you have to have the knowledge. They understand that. And so, you know, we don't want Costa Rican citizens that get taken advantage of. And so there's a lot of great people in this industry that really want to help out, that also want to make them make a little bit of money and, and support the industry. And, and that's what we're looking for is quality people to, to come down and really help us, um, you know, get this thing launched. It's awesome. So shout out any of our GHA listeners or anybody that's on now, please reach out to Dan. Dan and Cree are both doing a great job. We had Cree on last week and talked a little bit about it, but Natasha's got a great question too. Uh, is the government providing land credits? He'd love, she'd love to connect and see how the government is structuring their policy and programs so that we can gain ideas for structuring with ministries. We are in discussions with in Africa. Will the topic Natasha, be if you make it to the show, uh, come find me. I will personally walk you over and I'll introduce you to somebody that you can ask that question directly because I think it's a great idea. Uh, I do know that you know one of our sponsors in this is some of the the financial institutions here like Vita Cori and Agro Sector. And, and they're constantly looking for ways to be able to help the farmers. So I, I think I guarantee you like there's going to be some way for small and local farmers to be able to get some support here i love it great great feedback okay so uh tell me a little bit about outside of this event you know what is your talk to me about your job in the industry what are you working on specifically Oh, I have a couple of things I'm working on right now i guess i'll start off with i think what i think is the most fun which you know i'm a lot of you guys that are listening will start seeing this um we have a some new technology i've started working with which is a drinking straw, a biodegradable drinking straw made from, from hemp. Uh, and we have a machiner, machinery that coats the inside of the drinking straw and then bakes the liquid onto the inside of the straw like a layer. And then as you take this drinking straw and you put it in water and you drink through eight to 10 ounces of water, it dissolves the lining inside the straw and it delivers whatever product that you're wishing to deliver to it. So imagine putting you know 20 milligrams of THC inside the straw after you finish drinking the liquid, you've ingested the THC and it's a fast acting nanoparticle. So it hits you like six to eight minutes uh, for okay. the duration. So working okay. on a couple of really neat things. That's uh, if somebody's interested in that. They're more than welcome to reach out to me and we'll we'll share some stuff. But that's that's getting started here really quickly. Very cool. So are you processing your straws there? No, actually, I'm working uh, with a group out of Texas. And okay. so we're trying to be completely responsible and use 100 percent hemp and recycled materials. Uh, you know, I look at the, the beverage industry having a major issue is water is heavy and it's expensive to ship. Yeah. And so if you can take the concentrates out of a beverage and put it into a drinking straw and make it enjoyable, 
you know, you can take a drinking straw anywhere you go with you. It's very simple. You can put it in any drink and nobody knows that you're consuming THC products or CBD products or, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of different stuff we can, yeah, we can formulate with it. So it's some neat technology, um, you know, that, that'll be hitting here pretty soon, I think, in the U.S. market and international market. Uh, and then I've got some intellectual property that we're working on some tra- tacking, uh, tracking and tracing uh, capabilities. So we'll be launching that here soon here in Costa Rica to help uh, hopefully kind of monitor the plants. Cool. Talk to me about some of the pain points in the track and trace that you're seeing there that may be different from the U.S. Well, I mean, yeah. We're in a, we're in a country where there's already cannabis being grown in this country. It's been grown here with indigenous peoples for a long time. And so I kind of think that, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting on how we track the hemp batches inside uh, this country compared to how the medical marijuana is going to be grown. Because I do see the potential for people maybe trying to swap crops out in a field. And so some of the, the tracking and tracing ability will help cut down on, on some of those lots being uh, changed out without us knowing. Interesting. Okay. So difference, that's not something necessarily that's happening here. I, well, I, I mean, I think it, I think it is, but I don't think necessarily yeah. is it being so mixed with industrial hemp, but you know, right. in Costa Rica, it's going to be, I mean, I, it's a jungle here. It's, it's quite a, a rough landscape in some places. So I can imagine it's probably pretty difficult to uh, to maintain some of the control. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And just seeing where it can be grown or hidden, you know, amongst the forests and little plots. And we saw that in California when the market really first grew. You know what I mean? Um, Correct. But I think I think a lot of that has to do too with pricing. So you know, in in my opinion, the the hemp and the marijuana space is just a race to the bottom. As long as the the reward is worth the risk, you're going to see continue to people to continue to break the law. And if it's easy enough then, you know, they're going to find some way to, to circumvent and navigate around it. Um, and, you know, that's just something constantly looking at technology and trying to figure out those loopholes to protect them. Yeah. Natasha made a comment right here. Texas definitely has some controls in place on crops, but a change control process would be key. What's change control? What do you, what is, what do you mean on So uh, part of the tracking and tracing here, like when you start with genetics and you go from place to place um, and when the material gets moved from production to I mean from from growth from harvest into production and manufacturing and so what we're trying to do on ours is to be able to make sure that we can provide full traceability for where the plant was grown as well as the cycle that goes through it and then who's getting the material and then where it's headed and so we can track all the way down to the very final product exactly where things have come and gone Uh, and you know, that's an easy way also for the government to be able to monetize and track what's being produced. So not necessarily when you, you know, pull plant apart on THC is THC all you get. There's other minor cannabinoids and terpenes that can be, you know, monetized and taxed as well. So if you're providing like the CAN ID systems and you're actually looking to see what you're creating, then it's really easy to put that data into the system and be able to monitor what was created farm to farm and then looking at actually getting a, a more realistic number on what the cannabis market is producing. Okay. So where would you see biggest opportunity for both you and then say somebody from the U.S. coming into the market in Costa Rica? Like you say textiles, I mean, right? I mean, I like, I, I do. I think textiles would be very, there's a lot of things that are in here. I mean, honestly, I, I wish it was up to me. If it was me, I'd just put money in a little bit of everything and start one <laughs> of all of it down here. But unfortunately, I'm not that wealthy. Um, 
but uh, no, I think a it's a great industry. opportunity. We've got a yeah, big group and a big industry that's able to really take take hold, right? There is. I, I think there's a lot of opportunities for companies that are looking at doing something different. Uh, I mean, that's why I'm down here. I, I recognized years ago that the U.S. was going to be a messed up market for a while. Um, and there's a lot of different rule books that you have to look into and play by. And I think starting over with someplace like this where, you know, it's a very simple, fresh set of rules. And it was written off of years of experience of watching other markets, you know, struggle or have problems. So I really think it gives us, you know, a little bit of an advantage of being able to kind of 2.0 start over. Almost yeah, not. I mean, not be the first one in, right? The first one in, thank gosh they did it. But man, they really took the wrath of what didn't work, right? Being able to build on that. No, I, I, I think in the entire world right now, we're all building off what all of us are learning. If you look at every single step, you know, New York came out with great stuff. And then the next person is taking that and drafting it and looking at it. And we're just... It's just an improvement upon improvement. And so I'm, I'm excited to see where this industry goes over the next 10 years. I definitely will be a part of it uh, one way or another. Um, I, I got into this because of my dad, you know, fighting cancer. And so I have a lot of a lot of passion and heart for, for what we can do. Okay. So did you get into this because of dad? I did. I actually started uh, taking plant material and breaking it down and learning how to make candy for my dad. Uh, he had throat cancer and so he couldn't swallow. And so I made him... Uh, lemon candy drops so that you could suck on them and it would basically put all the cannabinoids and everything directly onto his throat throughout the day. Fabulous. And helped, obviously. How long ago was that? Long time, long time ago. Seven years ago, eight years ago, something like that. Okay. Okay. So before you moved to Costa Rica? Before we moved to Costa Rica. uh, One of the last conversations I had with my dad before we moved here was slowing down, enjoy life, spend time with your kids. You know, there's always time to work when you get older having that opportunity to go back and, and watch them develop as kids has been probably one of the best pieces of advice I got from him. And you've taken full advantage of that, I hope? You're not working yourself to, to death over there? No, I mean, trust me, we're staying very busy. But I mean, my kids, have, you know, they're also very involved. They know what I work on. They, they yeah. love asking me questions. So it's great. I love it. Love it. Love it. Um, okay. So I'd love to hear, talk to me a little bit more about like the development of your, your plastics and your straw and what does strategy look like to bring a product like that to market? And you obviously don't have to give away your secrets, but I am curious where manufactured somewhere else, right? What does that look like for benefit over in Costa Rica? And can they have plastic straws still there or have they eliminated that? Yeah, it's, it's on the way out. I mean, even like I'm in a cafe right now and we've got a paper wax coated straw that's already yeah. falling apart on me. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of room improvement. I think the, the hemp made straw is something that's completely biodegradable, you know, home compostable that we don't have to think about once we throw it away is definitely very important to me. Um, obviously straws are public enemy number one when it comes to reusable stuff. And I think we use something like 500 million straws a day. So I can, I can appreciate the fact that, um, that, you know, we can reduce it and make it more environmentally friendly. And, you know, look at the beverage industry, how much plastic is in one bottle or, you know, a can, an aluminum can that gets thrown away. There's a lot of waste that goes into a lot of this stuff. And I, I think we can be more responsible as product manufacturers, you know, and at the same time deliver a product that ultimately, you know, delivers what we're asking it to. I love it. Um, okay. So when we talk about government, working close with the government, part of when I started this was to, Somebody said, well, Mandy, how are you going to bridge the gap between all of these out of industry, you know, 
verticals that we could sell into or government entities and the hemp industry itself, right? Um, what have you what have you seen as some of the biggest uh, challenges or hesitations, I guess, coming from the government in adopting the industrial and or medical applications of cannabis? Yeah, okay. So I mean like where do where work- we, how do we speak to them better, right? And bridge that gap as you've done that in Costa Rica. Yeah. I mean, for me, number one, we were super persistent. Uh, and before we sent our proposal in, we had everything kind of put together and dialed in. Uh, and, you know, for us, it was getting face to face and being able to have a couple meetings and sit down and, and really talk about, you know, you could talk about proving the viability, that's easy. If I had an open catalog and I could order everything from the United States and have it shipped here, I could build the perfect facility and grow cannabis absolutely amazing inside. But proving viability for what's currently in the country is is definitely was one of the challenges I sat down and looked at because I needed to source everything from in the country, including nutrients and just to prove that it was doable now. Not what did we need to build the industry, but can we do it with what's here? And yeah. so I think that was kind of the fun challenge to it, to kind of figure out, um, you know, what we were doing. And, and the one thing I can say is patience. Um, you know, I started this 20 months ago and I honestly thought this was going to be like maybe nine months and then we were done, uh, you know, and, and here we are 20 months later and we're still, you know, dragging through, you know, the assembly and the approvals and it, it, it just, it's never what it seems. How about that? Yeah, so, totally. So, but be persistent and, and put your put your research together and contact people. I mean, there's there's projects all the time. Watch the news. There's countries that I see that are starting to do investigational study. And if I was going to do this again, I would probably look at a list of countries that are probably borderline on making this decision and submit a research you know request directly to the Ministry of Agriculture and and see if they're looking at you know partnering with somebody to do the investigational study. I mean. It happens years before it, it ever gets approved. So this is the time if you're interested to start looking into it. Yeah. Well, Natasha kind of mentioned that earlier, that the opportunity in Uganda right now, you know, Africa also is blowing up and has lots of, they're recognizing the value for food, clothing, shelter, right? For their people yep. and yep. that opportunity. Well, and, and, and the other thing too, is everybody thinks that I get paid to do this, you know, that the government pays me. I, I don't get paid. This is all out of our own pocket. You know, we're the ones proving the viability. The reason we're doing this is we believe in Costa Rica. We see the opportunity here for a lot of farmers, and this can make a huge difference in a lot of people's lives. So that's really, for me, what's important is making a difference and being able to give back to a local community. And I think, you know, this country really has a great opportunity to do that. Um, yeah, I absolutely agree. Natasha just said, there is no paying. They they want us to pay them. And yes. I, I, you know, yes, it's, this is been such a passion project. And really, I think that's what's been so exciting about working with people just like yourself and your organization, Dan, is the people were in it for so much more than just the money. And we have a real opportunity to impact people's lives at a much bigger level, much deeper level than we have been through this. Um, yeah. yeah. Through the way no, of it's, it, it, it is funny. I mean, but by no means am I a master grower. I mean, I understand the plan. I can grow it. I have for a while, but there's people with much more knowledge out there than what I have. And, and that's kind of what I've kind of poised myself to do is pull the smarter people that are out there in this marketplace that are way smarter than I am 
and put them down here so that we can we can build this together. It doesn't happen with one person. It happens with hundreds of people. And so that's why I'm just excited to be able to share it and build a team that's going to come down here and really help. Awesome. 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 So if you could bring the perfect people down and not necessarily names of people, what are those products that you think that you should really be paying attention to to participate in your event and, and get some visibility? Is it yeah, I mean, processing, farming, seeds? What, where would you say? Well, Everything? I mean, I would say that there's a lot of different things out there. Consulting services. I mean, yeah. you know, there's a lot of new products that are coming out on the market too, like pollen sense where you can, you can detect whether there's cannabis pollen in your air. I mean, there's a lot of things that I think would be really interesting to bring down to a place like this that are up and coming or new technology in the States that really, you know, we have an opportunity to be one of the first to use it as well down here. So I think it's neat. That's awesome. We're definitely looking for all kinds of partnerships. Um, our main sponsor is going to be hydro farm. So, they are definitely going to make sure that they handle yes to hydrofarm. Absolutely. It's amazing. These guys have everything. So it's going to be huge to be able to start the industry off right with a supplier that can really, you know, that has the backbone to be able to supply this industry, which is what we needed. So thank so you. We're hydrofarm. Seeing, we're, yeah, absolutely. We're seeing some major um, divide, you know, in our own industry between the medical and the hemp side of the industry or the industrial applications. Are you seeing that or how is that being addressed down in Costa Rica so that because you're clearly working together instead of against each other? Yeah, I mean, honestly, for me, I look at it, it's the same plant. I mean, we're, we're just yeah. harvesting certain parts out of it. So uh, and my proposal was to not separate necessarily hemp and marijuana from each other, but classify it more on the site. So whether it's an indoor grow, an outdoor grow, uh, and then classify what products can be grown at those facilities. And so that way it gives an owner operator an opportunity to know what they can and can't do on that particular facility. Uh, and then it also allows us to put security measures in place that we can protect those particular assets on those locations. Excellent. Um, I wish that we could un rewind and implement some of that here, right? Trying to figure out a hemp seed and how it's being tested and the number of people that are still having to test the THC level in their clothing or roofing tiles or yeah, things like that. You know what? I, I feel that sometimes common sense kind of gets thrown out the window in this industry. And I look at stuff and I, I, you just kind of have to shake your head. But listen, it, we're progressing, which is amazing. The world is turning green as we go. And I think the more and more people that are coming and we start looking at what materials we can eliminate from our manufacturing process using you know petroleum products and what we can do with some of the hemp um, um, products and, and different materials, I think we're going to put ourselves on a different track for, you know, not destroying this planet in the next couple of generations. Yeah, definitely. Well, we've got a major opportunity to, to reverse some of the impact, right? Another great question. The is the government prioritizing the poverty needs there too? Yeah. So that's what I was telling you uh, in the motions, 30% of all of the farming has to go to small uh, cooperatives or individual farmers. So that was one of the biggest things that I said that I was signing up for is that this had to benefit small agricultural products, small producers. And, and honestly, think about it this way. You wouldn't put all of your eggs in one basket. So as a first crop, we want 100 farmers growing one hectare each versus one farmer growing 100 hectares. Because if he ruins the 100 hectares, we have nothing versus, you know, 10 or 15 percent of the farmers struggle or have issues the first year. At least we're producing, you know, a large number of, of what that yield should have been. Well, and that's been a major reservation about big brands coming on, right? Is 
their acreage needs to be so diverse and spread out. We've seen so much tragedy, even just recently in Kansas with the tornadoes, right? Taking out the facilities that, you know, we've got to diversify our crop. And I like that you said, you know, small, and then it gives more farmers an opportunity to participate, you know, on a competitive. Well, listen, and if they try it the first year and they're not any good at it and they gave up or they didn't make any money, then they only did one hectare. They'll start over or go back to whatever crop they were doing. And, you know, and I'm sure we're going to find guys that are, very, very, uh, you know, capable of growing large amounts of, of uh, agriculture products down here. We've, we've got thousands and thousands of acres of sugarcane, rice, and hay. And so, I mean, it's here. Um, we just, we've got to organize it. And that's what this is about is, is, is rallying the troops, getting everybody, you know, what they need and, and then, and then moving forward. So, and I saw a question on there about the 1%. Yes. So we did push for 1% here. Uh, I, I think this is a good starting point. I think it should be more, but at least for right now, we're not fighting with the 0.2 and 0.3 um, on the dry goods. So. Yeah. Somebody asked me the other day, and I'm pretty sure that I know the answer, but just to clarify, the risk for hot, dry crop is much higher than when it's wet in the field, right? Once it dries and it's a fiber crop, um, what, are they, what, would the, what are they testing? Because if they're reading the, reading in the field, the leaves are falling off. See, and in all honesty, like here we haven't written the regulations. So there's still a okay. lot to go to develop this. And again, my point exactly, if it's going to be for fiber and we're not taking anything off that's going to be human consumption, there's not really a need to test it. I mean, once you have the original, you know, COA, here's what this plant's going to do. Yeah. I don't think it's necessary for us to have to spend the money to test for fiber over and over and over again. So, you know, we'll see. I, I, these are all suggestions that are being made, obviously, and it's not up to me. I'm not the guy doing it. I'm just the, the one here with the pom-poms, I guess, being the cheerleader. <laughs> are you anticipating, Natasha had a good, a good question. And I love talking because you guys are both in the same type of area, building communities and, and very ground level, but garden size, one to two hectares, are they forming cooperatives for economies of scale? Yeah. So cooperatives are very, very popular in this country. Um, so yes, I, we've already, I've heard two or three people that have already started talking about, um, you know, putting little cooperativas together uh, for hemp. And so I, I think it's a great idea. I, I think they need to bond, you know, and kind of pool their, their crops together to be able to offer larger lot sizes. Uh, and who knows, maybe the country will get some kind of program where they do all of that with all hemp farmers. And it's just one place where, you know, companies can come in and look for biomass. Who knows? <laughs> just had to share this comment could made me smile one percent of ta good <laughs> for a good good trip yes you're right 100 <laughs> percent, paul that's awesome uh processing by hand or by machine down in costa rica right now or in the future right now and then in the i i know in the future obviously machines but uh, well, right now you're looking at one of the processors. I've got, there's about four or five of us that have done, you know, a couple thousand plants by hand over the last 20 months. Um, but I, I'm huge on machinery. I think this is definitely, even with cheap labor, it's much faster with automated equipment. I don't see any reason anybody should still be doing this by hand. It's precise. Well, and it's, that's how we get accuracy, right? Especially when we start talking fiber quality and strength and yeah, we've got to have if not AI, that's where I really lean into the opportunity around AI also. Um, do you have power? We're in discussion with Formation Ag. She said, do you have power? They have mobile units. Uh, power for like facilities oh. to be able to run supplemental lights? Looks like mobile units probably. 
Yeah, that'd be great to hear about. Uh, we looked out at, uh, we did talk to one company that was doing some solar banks and stuff like that about being able to do supplemental lighting because in the country we do have a 12 to 12 and a half year round. And so through the vegetation stage, it's important to provide supplemental lighting. A lot of it we're doing in greenhouses right now and then just taking them outside to flower. But uh, yeah, portable units for fields would be great with uh, lighting solutions. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So what's next then? What? How can we really support you and how do we really jump in? You know, if somebody wants to get involved and connect with you, Dan, or your team, how do people get involved and connect? Absolutely. Reach out to us. We're more than happy. I mean, we're, we're putting together stuff all the time and this is just the beginning. So if somebody's interested in maybe it's not now, maybe it's in six months, maybe it's in a year, you know, keep in touch with us. We're, we're not going anywhere. Uh, and I definitely, um, I love this country and love the industry and we want to make sure that it's successful. Yeah, absolutely. Paul, great, great comment right here. This is great. The Cooperativa Ananda, for those of you that don't know Ananda, they're a great size company doing lots of good things. Um, but regulation doesn't allow small plots of land. The minimum is two hectares for medical and five for him. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know why that, that to me, that doesn't make any sense because if I'm a farmer starting out and I've never done it before, and then you're going to make them grow, you know, 20, 30,000 plants to start off with. I agree the way they're doing it here is if they allow it by a per plant basis and they allow people to get into it slowly to learn and perfect their craft before they get, you know, larger and larger. Nobody walks into a business and starts out at the top with 10,000 employees. They start with a few and they build their way up. I think it's the same thing it should be for the hemp industry and, and marijuana industry as well. Well, and when, when you say five plants or number of plants, that's very different. That's more on the medical side versus. Yeah, no, I mean like five hectares, like that's 50,000 oh, yeah. plants, 10,000 plants per hectare. So you know, even two, two hectares is 20,000 plants for somebody to take care of. That's well, and that's, that's if not, if we're growing for fiber, right. If we're growing like fiber row crop production, we're talking, Correct. yeah, 900 seed, 900,000 seeds per acre potentially. Right? Correct. Yeah. Um, well, and I'd be interested too, when we talk about harvesting down there, you know, scale wise, the, the volume, it's, it's very different than a huge sickle bar here that we will be cutting with or processing with for some, you know, tens, I mean, thousands, hundreds and thousands of acres. I'll tell you how they do the sugar canes. They pull up with a bus with about 50 guys on the bus with machetes and they walk through the fields piece by piece and cut it down. So, you know, labor here is not a problem. Harvesting, I don't think is going to be an issue with these guys. The mechanized stuff, you know, we're excited. We're going to have uh, Mr. Bish come down and talk to us a little bit about some of the implementations that they have. And so, That'll be great for people to, to really see that there, there's technology out there that they can they can arm themselves with and, and be more efficient in, in the field. Um, yep. Awesome. 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 So other speakers, what are some other topics we're going to be hearing about? We've heard Bish. We've got the medical side, Dr. Uma. Yep. We've got uh, Del Potter's coming out from California. So he's going to talk about some of his stuff with the, in the cannabis space, which is great. We've got... Um, James, Dr. James Linden coming from Ireland. Uh, he's been in the pharmaceutical space in the cannabis. Yet, so he's going to come over and talk about, uh, you know, some of their projects and what they're working on and some of the challenges. And then I also have Dr. Carlos Hernandez. I'm talking to him right now. He has treated over 3,000 patients in 10 different countries here in, in Central uh, and South America. And so I've got him coming in to talk about his, you know, path. Um, he's much similar to me. His mom had cancer and that's how he got into the industry was trying to take care of his mom. So I, I see the little passion stories with people that really have their heart and it. it's very rewarding. That's awesome. 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 Okay. Well, Dan, I really appreciate you. I know that you're, it looks like your internet's getting a little bit buggy. So I hope everybody else yeah, can still see you. I can hear you just great. And 
Uh, I'm excited to come down. I'm excited to be part of the event. One last time you can register. I'll share the comment real quick that we can register online. If you're thinking about attending or you want to represent or be participate, especially I saw Formation Ag was, was um, mentioned there. They'd be a great contact. I know Bish is also working with them or connected with them also. But if we get them into a booth so they have some representation, even if they can't travel, but to come down and really support what Dan and Cree and his team have put together. Um, they're working hard. Um, anything else, Dan, you want to add real quick before we sum up? Uh, no, no, I think, I think we've covered everything. We will be working on a supplemental event at some point in time. So probably something that's going to be more like culture related. So, uh, I've really enjoyed the culture of the cannabis space. And so I think we'll be doing probably two full-time events down here, one for science and industry, and then one that's a little bit more fun with some culture kind of the spread the love down here and get some more people interested. Um, do you see big companies more reserved about coming into Costa Rica? Well, this um, really. I mean, yeah. I, I think a lot of it has to do with who's down there and what the connections are. I mean, I, I prefer to do business with people that I'm familiar with or I've had some experience with. Uh, you know, some of these countries are a little bit more difficult to get in and out. And it really is who you know. Um, it's small, very old families that are in, in a lot of power for three months. Interesting. Yeah, I was just surprised to read that comment that, you know, bigger countries or bigger companies are a little bit more reserved. And again, I also hear this, oh, and there Dan goes, <laughs> I knew his internet was getting shoddy, but I hear it every once in a while that, you know, there's a lot of reservations about being the first in. Um, and it's always, you know, that risk of paving the way. And the people in the industry, I want to give a huge shout out to and thank you very, very much for participating and joining. Um, but definitely, you know, the passion that comes behind this and the amount of change that we're able to make. So I'm really excited. I'm excited. And I also want to invite you guys to please participate, sign up and join, um, come attend the event. I'm, we're really excited. I'm excited to go down. I've never been there uh, in Costa Rica, but more looking forward to shaking hands and, you know, really rubbing shoulders with people that are going to be there from different organizations and countries. So thank you again, Natasha. It's always wonderful. I'd love to have you come. I'd love to have you uh, participate. We'll have to jump in together. But thank you again. Thanks for participating. You guys are fabulous. And we'll see you tomorrow. I've got an incredible interview uh, in the morning, same time, 10 o'clock, all about biofuels and um, proteins and sugars, uh, biorefining uh, hemp. They've got some incredible technology. They've been doing it for 20 plus years and have got some awesome partners on their patents. So I'm really excited to share and, and make that introduction with Vinny. And then... Um, Tomorrow afternoon, uh, also you can find it on our website, globalhempassociation.org. There is a R&D meeting all about our tax credits and how to take advantage of the R&D tax credit, especially in the phase that all of us are in, in developing this industry. So I'll let you guys go. Thank you very, very much. I can't wait to get to Costa Rica and we'll see you guys tomorrow. Reach out if you need anything.